It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Welcome to the COB. It is the 18th of the eighth month. I'm Nadine Blaney. Good to be here with you and good to be here with you, Scotty, once again. As always, it's uh, been a very busy day once again. <laughs> oh, you were calling peak reporting season, but when you see the list of companies reporting tomorrow, Scotty, I think you just might change your mind. No, for the, uh, for the uh, cycling fans out there, today I reckon was the cold de tourmalet. So we were, uh, <laughs> that was peak earnings season in my opinion. It's all downhill from here. Okay, well, one of the big movers today was Monadelphus Group. It was up by close to 19%. Uh, we chatted with one of our guests, Steve Johnson from Forager Funds, also Martin Crabb from Sean Partners, both saying, yeah, a little bit of a relief rally here. It's just been such a tough area to be in. Um, so, yeah, that's one company. I mean, where do we start? Maybe we will start with Cochlear. Cochlear had a really great share price reaction to its result today. And that's even though, uh, you know, it's not providing guidance and it's not providing a dividend. But I think the difference with Cochlear and some other companies is that it's really talking up the future, you know, remaining committed, remaining um, on its strategic plan and understanding that when the economy opens, they're ready to take advantage of it. Yes, maybe uh, taking out the trash, so to speak. So all the other uh, bad news has been uh, taken out with this result and people are now just seeing blue sky ahead. And obviously, you know, a lot is contingent on what goes on with the COVID outbreak worldwide. But uh, certainly a lot of shareholders like that result. And to be honest, I think a lot of people were just going to those sectors as well, the growth sectors, uh, healthcare, uh, technology and the like again today, mirroring what was seen on Wall Street. You can listen to our interview with the CEO of Cochlear, Dig Howitt. You can access that via the show notes. But I thought we would just break with tradition and get right to the stock of the day because it was Cochlear. And so we spoke with two of our expert guests on the call. Uh, we first started by asking Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool what he thought of the result coming through and importantly, whether it's still a buy. I'm bullish on Cochlear. I expect a really, really attractive long-term future. If you think about the number of people who are being diagnosed or will be diagnosed with hearing loss and using mostly Cochlear solutions, I should say, uh, because it is the premier brand in the, mar in the market, the developing world is developing so incredibly quickly that will have more and more people coming online. I mean, plenty of people now around the world have hearing loss and simply aren't being treated because they can't afford it or the infrastructure doesn't exist. And I expect that even despite the last set of results, which are terrible, as, as we said, um, the future still remains really, really bright. Cochlear will have more customers every year moving forward. And frankly, once you're a Cochlear customer, almost by definition, you're literally getting a device put inside your head in most cases. You remain a Cochlear customer for life. Is it a good time to buy them? I would say yes, because Cochlear's uh, EPS growth over the last six years, so earnings per share has been over 20% a year. 
So it's been growing very, very consistently at a bit over 20, yeah. which is fantastic. It's like yeah. a tech stock just about. Yeah. Um, and at the moment, we're showing, if you look at the return, even though the price has gone up a bit, you know, it would be nice if it was um, yeah. it went down. <laughs> Below um, 200, yeah. We're showing a returning about a bit over 20% a year if they can maintain their current growth rate going forward. Oh. Uh, on a margin of safety, it brings it down to 8%. But right. 8% for a company like Cochlear uh, is still pretty good. Yep. So yep. I would say Cochlear is a, uh, a buy, and on, from a PE point of view, it's down the bottom of the mid-range, right. which is not bad. So that was Mark Moreland from Team Invest finishing the thoughts on Cochlear. And in case you were wondering, it was a buy from both of those gents. So uh, we spoke with Tyro Payments CEO Robbie, um, Robbie Cook, and he said that, look, pandemic, bushfires, it's been a tough year. It's the company's first full year results as a listed company. He's staying pretty positive. Again, you can listen to that interview via the web, via the app, or again in the show notes. I, I mean, there's so much to talk about when it comes to reporting season, but we, we have to mention the trading update that came through from Westpac, I think, as well. Um, it all comes down to, again, not what's in this update, Scotty, but what's coming, what's coming down the road when stimulus, when deferrals are wound back. Yes, provisioning for bad and for debts is obviously an uncertain area. I think also, too, you could probably go back to say that the dividend decision note of paid interim dividend was in some parts surprising. Uh, obviously, I think the CBA had gone and maybe laid the benchmark for what expectations were. There was a bit of a split in the market as to whether it would see a dividend. So we've just seen with other stocks that don't go in, uh, and pay out. Uh, there has been some pretty savage re- reactions in the share price, and we saw a similar result today with Westpac, but it really is, a, for me, a story across the board when it comes to those banks. You know, margin pressures, bad and doubtful debt provisioning, you know, so much uncertainty about what lies ahead, uh, no potential, no costs uh, as well, you layer on top of that. So it's obviously, uh, you know, it's understandable why a few people are pessimistic on that sector for the time being. And Westpac share price finishing down by 2.5%. We hear from ANZ tomorrow. We get the trading update from ANZ. Uh, elsewhere in uh, one of the major sectors, we heard from BHP. So getting out of thermal coal, looking to divest some of its uh, older or not as attractive uh, oil and gas assets, no big deal, but a few sort of tepid steps into expanding the portfolio as well and talking about being future facing, but also uh, heard from the CEO that, look, the rest of the world or the world will have a very tough time coming out of this pandemic, talking about a real slow economic recovery, with the exception being China. Good to talk up your main, uh, main uh, counterparty, don't you? So that's understandable. You know, it was a scene. The, uh, the Chinese industrial sector, we've seen the data that's come out of there. Uh, certainly, it's leading the other uh, charge high. There's doubts about the consumer sector there, but you know, when it comes to commodity demand, uh, I think we mentioned a couple of times today in the program, iron ore, you know, after like, you know, looking like it was gonna go and have another stumble, it's on a charging and higher, like a dollar to 120 US dollars a ton. Uh, some pretty uh, steep gains there. So uh, understandable why BHP is looking pretty optimistically towards that market. And I think a lot of other investors out there are doing the same. China, great today if you sell iron ore. Uh, not great today if you sell wine. Treasury Wine Estates was one of the biggest losers before it went into a trading halt after we heard that China is looking to launch a probe into wine dumping, Australian dumping of wine uh, into the Chinese market. Treasury Wine, obviously, um, yeah, looking into it, not making any comment to us, but putting us on to the Wine Producers Association. 
It's a big one. It's a big market for Treasury wine. Just in their result last week, they were saying that they were seeing signs of an improvement, improvement in appetite for wine coming through in China. So again, bigger picture though, it speaks to these tensions that are bubbling away between the Australian and Chinese governments. Yes, and uh, it's not only that, we're seeing that there's a push from Chinese authorities to go and become more insular when it comes to self-sufficiency and the like. And uh, the Chinese wine market's now still a pretty big uh, component, still it makes around 50% from what I was reading today. But it does make you wonder our relationship with the United States, obviously we're, uh, we're allies when it comes to so many things. And the, uh, the Chinese obviously are having a spat with the United States. You look at uh, various aspects here, barley, beef, uh, travel and tourism warnings have been issued uh, by the Chinese when it comes to, uh, to Australia as well. So it is a little bit unnerving, uh, but uh, where it goes and ends up, no one really knows. But uh, look, it's interesting to see, you know, I don't know that uh, we're subsidising uh, the wine industry at all when it comes from a government perspective. Uh, certainly, I don't think there's, um, that uh, Treasury is dumping uh, uh, Penfolds wine into the Chinese market. If they are, they can dump it on my doorstep. I'll gladly take it. But I'll come over. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then there's, there's so many different layers. Like, you know, there was another thing the AFR was reporting as well, that, um, that this probe, there was uh, speculation that this was going to be announced at some time several days ago, and it's only just coming out now. So that's another piece of the, uh, another puzzle, which is a little bit of uncertainty in relation to why wasn't the market maybe communicated this news earlier. Mm-hmm. Okay, so lots to discuss there. And of course, we still have everything that's going on in the US uh, between it and China, US election. We had the Democratic National Convention being held while we were on air today, actually. Uh, so that is going to ramp up once people start getting off of summer holidays in the Northern Hemisphere. While they're on summer holidays, and there's not as much market action happening in the US, we saw yet another flirtation with all-time highs coming through for the S&P 500. Tech, tech is the big story there. Um, You know, it, it just seems as if that market wants to go one way and that's higher. Yeah, it definitely seems like that for the time being. And uh, look, I'm a bit surprised the market's got a bit bashful near the, uh, the old record highs. It's made a few probes intraday above that level, but surprisingly enough, it's been such a solid run, over 50% gain in the S&P 500. I was just thinking about it earlier today. What are the actual implications? Yes, we know about all the risks out there at the moment, but we'll manage to go and push them aside. Uh, and there's just so many facets out there. And one thing I'm looking in particular, it's getting towards the end of August. And we know there's plenty of phase three trials for coronavirus vaccines out there at the moment. And we're going to start getting early results from that. Now, sure, maybe some of them would go and disappoint, but we know the markets like to go and rally on anything. If there's one that comes out with some positive news, that might be the impetus to go higher. We also have fiscal negotiations in the United States. One way or another, they'll go and get a deal done. Otherwise, it'll be a lecture no, nightmare going into uh, to the poll on November 3. So I, I think that uh, you know, Goldman Sachs is out uh, know, over the weekend saying that the S&P uh, forecast has been upgraded to 3,600 by the end of the year. Who's to say it won't? No, the one thing though, at some point there, we talk about this bridge to go and uh, pass over the, you know, the, the troubled the valley, waters yeah. to the other side. I think that the bridge is gonna end to some pretty troubled waters, to be honest, but uh, that's gonna be for another day. No, whilst the, uh, the music's uh, no playing, the markets will dance. Nothing to upset the apple cart at this point. And it was interesting today, I thought, to see our market even outperform what we saw in US markets, up by eight tenths of 1%. So pretty solid day coming through here in Australia. Thank you very much. Yes, it's uh, very, very solid. Uh, we uh, mentioned a couple of times on air uh, 
South Korea didn't have the same aspect. And that's an interesting one because it's got the same uh, thing with a virus wave that's bringing uh-huh. you. But it's been, they, they have taken it incredibly uh, seriously when it comes to that market. You know, the, the cost was down 2.6% today. It was the one real exception to the other uh, rule from the other uh, regional perspective. Right. So <laughs> I don't even think anybody wants me to list all the companies reporting tomorrow, but it starts with Amcor, goes to Bapcor. I'm not going to even do the al- a- a- alphabet, I don't think, but the big <coughs> one is CSL. CFL. <laughs> CSL. CSL had a great day today. Vaccine associated with its name as well as just this overall you know, thematic that it does stand to benefit. Um, in some way, shapes and forms from this pandemic regardless. It'll be interesting to get an update on the U.S. plasma business as well. But clearly, as Martin Crabb from Sean Partners was saying, there was some looking to cover shorts heading into this result. Yes, and in a lot of the uh, the news on Treasury wine estates today, I'm looking forward to speaking to the uh, to the A2 Milk as well yeah. after their results because a similar kind of backdrop, obviously not in wine, but uh, no, another uh, discretionary item that's uh, being exported into China. So I'll be very interested to get their views. Look, we will be speaking with email payments as well. I know a lot of our viewers, our listeners, our subscribers like hearing about that company. We don't have any major economic data here. We've got the Westpac leading index at 10.30 in the morning. Uh, Overseas, we have a bit of uh, data coming from the UK tomorrow night. Uh, It'll be interesting to see the US earnings tonight as well. Should mention US earnings. Home Depot, Deer & Co, Target, and Walmart, the behemoth. So it'll give us an insight into stimulus spending. I read um, something on Dow Jones today about an index that was taken showing that post-stimulus withdrawal, those unemployment benefits in the U.S., spending on food has dropped off to the tune of $500 million per week, which, you know, there's so many layers to that that sort of data point. But yeah, so we'll get some insight into the U.S. consumer and some of the pandemic thematics from those big, big, big retailers. Yes, as we're seeing, give people money, they'll spend it. That's what's been going on in the United States and it's what's been happening here as well. Okay, I think we named dropped a few of the uh, company CEOs that we'll be speaking with tomorrow, but it'll be a great one. Uh, do hope you can join us for that. We kick it off in the morning, 8.45, Bob Atziano. He's Chief Market Strategist at Path Trading Partners. We'll find out what happened on Wall Street overnight. And uh, toward the end of the session, we'll be speaking with Cameron McIntyre, CEO of Car Sales. Scotty, I don't think there's any wine for us tonight. No, but uh, I'm sure there's some waiting later in the week. So it's hump day tomorrow, onwards and upwards. See you then.